Hi gang, thanks for downloading this classic episode of News Fighters. Just a reminder, if you're looking for new original episodes of News Fighters, they're now over on the Irrational Fear podcast feed. So search for Irrational Fear on your podcasting app or go to irrationalfear.com for all new episodes of News Fighters. In the meantime, enjoy this classic News Fighters episode. You're listening to the Sands Pants Network. Home of comedy, (laughs) culture, adventures, and ghosts. This is News Fighters. Where we fight the news so you don't have to. With Dylan Behan. G'day everyone, welcome to News Fighters for today, the 5th of November, 2021. News Fighters is a comedic look back at the big stories of the week in Australian news, media, and major international diplomatic incidents. Presented by me, Dylan Bain, the Alan Jones of Lefty News Comedy. Coming up on today's show, my interview guest is satirist and comedian Sammy Shah, host of the great new satirical podcast News Weekly and the new stand-up comedy album, Cuck. Ivan Aristogeta is a comedian from Venezuela and he and I keep joking about this, about like how low our standards are for good governance. And so when everyone else in Australia is like, this is a tyranny and Scott Marshall's a dictator. And we're like, I don't know, things are pretty good to me. <laughs> like- but first up, finally, Australia had a good breaking news story this week. Uh, Here's Nat with some amazing news. Yeah, this is breaking news, Koshi. Cleo Smith, the four-year-old girl missing in Outback WA, has been found. She is alive and she is well. Anyways, from one toddler coming home to another petulant toddler who we wish would just stay away. In a matter of hours, Scott Morrison will be rubbing shoulders with fellow world leaders at the G20 summit in Rome. Yes, but as always, Joe Biden said he's in charge of the shoulder rubs. Yes, Scotty747 was away at the G20 and COP26 UN climate talks this week. And uh, oh, just look what a great reaction he got from the other world leaders. Scott Morrison has been given the cold shoulder during an awkward photo with world leaders at the G20 in Rome. At the G20, a not-so-happy family photo. A pair of presidents exchanging pleasantries with one Prime Minister feeling a bit left out. Scott Morrison looking around for someone, anyone to talk to. Even his former Finance Minister Matthias Cormann not engaging. Geez, I haven't seen an Australian get snubbed like that in Europe since uh, Demi Im at Eurovision in 2016, who was robbed. Robbed, I tells you. But maybe the reason everyone at the G20 snubbed Scott Morrison was the fact that he wasn't on board with one of their main agenda items. Some G20 members wanting to go even further, pushing to an end date on coal mining and coal-fired power stations. But the proposal was strongly opposed by several countries, including Australia, India, China and Russia. Yes, great to see Australia siding there with the modern progressive democracies of China, India and Russia. All right, so Morrison was against banning coal at the G20, but what policies was he in favour of? Prime Minister Scott Morrison used his address to the G20 summit to once again call for a thorough investigation into the origins of COVID-19. Scott Morrison will call on world leaders to help crack down on social media companies, arguing tech giants should expose anonymous users that abuse or defame others. Yes, while Trump might be gone from the world stage, he seems to be living on in our mini-Trump. 2.0. Yeah, while everyone else in the world is calling for the abolition of fossil fuels, vaccinating the poor, and generally saving the world, our Prime Minister is like, investigate the China virus. 
Stop people on Twitter being mean to me. Jeez, this is the most embarrassing behaviour by an Australian PM at the G20 since uh, probably Tony Abbott used the forum in Brisbane in 2014 to whinge to other world leaders about how Aussies didn't want Medicare copays. It really happened. Here's a clip. Thank you, everyone. It's a, a real honour to have so many of you here in the beautiful city of Brisbane uh, for this first ever G20 leaders retreat. Uh, for a long time, most Australians who went to see uh, a doctor uh, have been seen at no charge. Uh, and we would like to see a $7 co-payment uh, for people who are going to see the doctor. Ah, remember the good old days when Tony Abbott lost the Prime Ministership over a $7 GP co-payment? Today, Scott Morrison forgets to order vaccines during a global pandemic and is basically pouring fuel on the world as it's on fire and everyone in the Liberal Party is like, you're the best we've got. Stick around. Stick around, ScoMo. You're as good as it gets. Anyways, moving on from the G20 in Rome, next all the leaders continued on to the COP26 climate talks in Glasgow, where again, Scott Morrison pissed off the world by not committing to halve Australia's emissions by 2030. But he's resisting pressure to join the US and UK in slashing emissions by half by 2030, which some scientists say is needed to avoid a climate tipping point. The US and the UK are among two countries who want Australia to go harder to join them in cutting emissions by half by 2030, yet Scott Morrison won't budge. Yes, yeah, ScoMo was probably like, 2030? The consultants only just finished up that PowerPoint that said we were somehow miraculously going to have net zero by 2050. 2030 will require a whole new PowerPoint presentation. Then, of course, he pissed off the rest of the world by refusing to limit our animal farts. China and Russia, along with with Australia refused to sign a pact to cut methane emissions by 30% by 2030. Energy Minister Angus Taylor says the only way Australia could achieve the target would be to reduce numbers of cattle and sheep. Yes, getting rid of some cattle and sheep. Well, that might help lower our methane, but I'm sure it's not going to impact the amount of bullshit we endure in this country because this government is always emitting a never-ending supply. So on to the leader's speeches, and I'll give you one guess what Scott Morrison uh, decided to emphasise at COP26. In his brief address to the conference, Scott Morrison pressed his case that technology is the path to net zero, but a week on the road with little sleep is taking a toll. The scene is set. Global momentum to tackle China, climate change is building. Yes, and you can read all about it in Australia's brand new white paper, A Global Momentum to Tackle China Climate Change. No, seriously, though, Morrison spoke of his big business embracing technology, not taxes, pathway to net zero like this. The challenge of combating climate change will be met the same way. And it will be met by those who, frankly, are largely not in this room. It will be our scientists our technologists, our engineers, our entrepreneurs, our industrialists and our financiers. Or more realistically, our firefighters, our water bomber pilots, those guys who fill up the sandbags every time it floods, because with your commitments, things are only going to keep getting worse. And speaking of big business running the show, well, it looks like they definitely were at the Australian Pavilion in Glasgow. There was criticism of the Australian display in Glasgow because it dared to host Santos, a gas company, running a crucial project on carbon capture and storage. Even its stall inside the conference hall promotes the fossil fuel industry, including carbon capture and storage, 
sponsored by an oil and gas company. It's supported by mining companies, and they're the destroyers of the flavoured land. Geez, why is everyone so outraged by this? It's exactly like if I had Monsanto sponsor my stall at the organic farmers markets. Or if, you know, they had arms manufacturers sponsor the Invictus Games for injured athletes. Oh, no, wait, that that's actually real. That actually, that actually happens. <laughs> Look, I know this is all sounding very embarrassing for Australia, but thankfully we did commit to some positive pledges. Australia joined more than 100 countries in a promise to stop deforestation by the end of the decade. The commitment to end deforestation is a big achievement, but such promises have been made and broken before. <laughs> Great, that's reassuring. Why don't we just commit to everything then? Um, Then there was this. Australia will provide an additional $500 million in aid to its specific neighbours to help them deal with global warming. Australia is also an island state. It's a very big island, um, but it does give us, I think, in in the Pacific, a very unique perspective. Yeah, $500 million for our Pacific neighbours to combat the effects of climate change. Kind of like a sorry we broke it, here you fix it kind of payment. Now, call me cynical, but I get the feeling Scott Morrison is only supporting the Pacific Islands just so he has places to go on holidays next bushfire season. He definitely cares about sea level rise when it could affect his favourite beachside tiki bar. Here's some money, build a seawall. I think the only increasing salination uh, Scott Morrison cares about is in his margaritas. And we haven't even got to the diplomatic fallout yet. Scott Morrison managed to piss off a lot of people while he was away, including our future head of state, Prince Charles, who he left waiting before barging in on him like a used car salesman with a deal he couldn't refuse. The first rule for the leader of a constitutional monarchy should be never keep a future king waiting. It's great to find your way around. Your Royal Highness. An audience with Prince Charles, who quickly became the audience for a climate sales job. Now we've committed to net zero by 2050. Australia's done that here in top 26, doubled our climate finance commitments, and we're working very close with our Pacific family, with uh, Prime Minister Buddy Marama and the whole team, So, which I know you have a great attention to the Pacific. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. I love Prince Charles at the end there, trying to get Morrison to sit down like he's had too many drinks. Said, sit down, mate. Just calm, just calm down. And then just before that, Prince Charles like acknowledges the camera, like he's like you both know that he's in the most embarrassing situation of his life, uh, and he's about to delve into a on-camera monologue like Ferris Bueller style. With uh, promised about him and the whole team, so which I know you. Yep, that's me. You're probably wondering how I ended up in this situation. Prince Charles has never looked more uncomfortable in his life, and his brother is Prince Andrew. But of course, the big diplomatic stoush that dominated the headlines on ScoMo's trip was with the French. Relations between Australia and France have hit a new low, with the French president accusing Scott Morrison of lying over the cancelled $90 billion submarine deal. When we have respect, you have to be two, and you have to behave in line and consistently with his value. Do you think he lied to you? I don't think. I know. Ugh, wow. What a coincidence French President Emmanuel Macron happened to accidentally walk into a press pool of Australian journalists backstage at the highly secured G20 conference. What what are the odds of that happening? And what was that? He accused our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, of lying? 
How dare you, monsieur? Why, Scott Morrison wasn't about to have any part of that. Climatic crisis escalates. The Prime Minister hits back at the French president's slur. Slurs and sledges. That's how the Prime Minister has described the French president's verbal attack on him. Um, And the slurs that have been placed on Australia, not me. I've got broad shoulders. I can deal with that. But those slurs... I'm not going to cop sledging of Australia. Yes, slurs. You know, that highly offensive slur, the L word. Why, doesn't he know how offensive that slur is to liberal Australian prime ministers? And you know who loved using that slur against Scott Morrison was Malcolm Turnbull. Oh, he's lied to me on many occasions. I mean, there's quite a few examples in my book, but he's, Scott has always had a reputation for telling lies. All right, just to bring you up to speed on what's caused this uh, major diplomatic incident, well, maybe you remember that Australia basically de facto cancelled a French submarine contract back in September when it was announced that we would instead be going with a UK and American uh, nuclear subs under the new AUKUS alliance. Good evening. A powerful new military alliance has been formed, or Australia, the United Kingdom and United States partnering to counter China's rise in the Pacific. Included in the deal, a fleet of nuclear submarines to be built in Adelaide. Well, President Macron of France has been pissed off at us ever since, saying they weren't given any notice. To which Scott Morrison says, of course you were. The PM insistent the president could have read between the lines when they dined at the Elysee Palace in June. I explained very clearly that the conventional submarine option was not going to meet Australia's interests. You told the French president that this deal was not going ahead. Is that what you said? No, I didn't say that. Yeah, that's right. Scott Morrison didn't just tell him it was cancelled. He expected him to read between the lines. But look, I do have to say I have sympathy for Morrison in this situation. We all know the pressures you're under on an awkward dinner date at a fancy French palace when you have to tell your date you're cancelling a $60 billion submarine contract and you're so nervous you just kind of tiptoe around it, hopefully they don't get offended. I mean, we've all been there, right? Clearly, you don't want to say it during the entree because they could storm off and the entire dinner would be ruined. But then if you say it during the main course, you might miss out on the dessert. And we all know how good the French are at desserts with their souffles and their creme brulees. You just, you just don't want to miss the dessert. So, it sounds like Scott Morrison didn't break the news, instead dropping a few hints while stuffing his face with delicious French food and then doing a runner back to Australia. Or as Scott Morrison calls it, diplomacy. So yes, Macron said Morrison lied. So Morrison, of course, himself went nuclear. The French row over submarines has followed the Prime Minister to Glasgow with leaked text messages and a staunch denial from Scott Morrison that he lied. Scott Morrison says that he was trying to organise a phone call with the French President to talk about the subs deal. Uh, The French President said he was unavailable at the suggested time. He then texted Scott Morrison saying, should I expect good news or bad news for our joint submarines ambitions? The release of the President's text we can presume is to show that Mr Macron knew the future of the submarine contract was in some doubt. Scott Morrison says he responded to the text saying he wanted to talk to the president in person but that Mr Macron didn't make time for the call because he believed the news was going to be bad. I would have preferred to have told him directly but that opportunity, um, that call wasn't offered. Ah, what a master of interpersonal relationships Scott Morrison is. First, he didn't give Macron the breakup news over dinner. Then he was like, let's speak on the phone. And then he just gave up and France didn't know it was over till AUKUS was announced. Scott Morrison is worse than a douchebag who dumps you via text. 
He's just like, well, if I can't get them on the phone, they'll just get the message it's over when they see me out and about with my new partners. And as for those leaked texts between Macron and Morrison that wound up in the Murdoch newspapers, well, I think it's pretty obvious where they came from. Did the leaked text message from Mr. Macron come from your office and has it made things worse? Well, I'll just say again, um, I made very clear what the timeline was. Well, that couldn't be more obvious. It's a bit like uh, your partner saying, honey, did you eat all the ice cream? And you reply, well, let me say again, the timeline is very clear. I'm always acting in this household's best interest. And after the leak, Morrison himself doesn't even say he can be trusted anymore. Prime Minister, how can any world leader trust you or build a relationship with you if private correspondence is going to be leaked? I have outstanding relationships with so many leaders around the world, and that's what I've been engaged with over the last couple of weeks, as yeah. I've already addressed the point that you've made an earlier question. Oh, my God, this wouldn't work in real relationships. Imagine if your partner was like, how can I trust you after you cheated on me? And your response was, well, I have outstanding relationships with so many women around the world. So anyways, in conclusion, it's been another completely disastrous world trip by our Prime Minister, where he managed to disappoint the entire world with our backwards climate policies, undermine and lose the trust of one of our most long standing allies, unnecessarily irritate our biggest trading partner, annoy and confuse our future head of state, and even screw up everything so badly that old man Joe Biden threw Australia under the bus. US President Joe Biden apologising to the French president over the manner in which France learned it had lost a $90 billion submarine contract with Australia. I was under the impression that France had been informed long before that the deal was not going through. So anyways, you won't be surprised to learn that Sky News thought the trip went very well. And he's actually come out of this, I think, with some sort of dignity intact for Australia. And it's really interesting because you can tell how he's doing by just how angry Twitter is getting at him. Um, and you look at Twitter and The Guardian and places like that, and they're absolutely furious that he hasn't given away the farm on all of this. And when stopping off in Dubai on the way home, well, there was only one thing on Morrison's mind. But Scott Morrison says it's time for both countries to move on. It's important now that we all just move on, frankly. The claims were made and claims were refuted. What, what is needed now is for us to all just get on with it. So what are you going to do to try and repair this rift? I'm going to move on. Which is hopefully the same thing we all get to say when he's kicked out at the next election. It's important now that we all just move on. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, joining me now on News Fighters is one of Australia's top comedians and satirists. You've heard him on The Chaser Report, one of Australia's best-dressed men, full stop, and he's just launched his own new weekly news comedy podcast called News Weekly. Um. 
That's right, News Weekly indeed. Uh, best dressed man. I haven't heard He's that one before. Sammy Shah. How are you going, Sammy? <laughs> hey, good to have you. You're, you're always impeccably dressed. When you're on a rational fear, you made us all look like hobos. You were, I think, wearing a three-piece suit down at the Melbourne Comedy <laughs> Festival. I, I think I think I just come from another show as well. That's probably why. Otherwise, no. But thank you. I much appreciate that. <laughs> My rational fear was so much fun in Melbourne Comedy Festival. I was so excited about doing it again later in the, like you know in the last few months, and we missed out on that opportunity. Oh. That's right. We were meant to be down there in July, and then uh, something happened. I can't quite remember what it was. Oh, that's right. Yeah, a, yeah I, don't, I don't know what it was. Probably something minor that no one remembers anyway. Something I've wiped totally from my brain. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Anyway, always, look, always great to meet someone as crazy as myself. What made you want to start a solo weekly news comedy podcast? Did you realize how much work would be involved? Because I'm literally exhausted all the time. <laughs> So, here's what I figured, right? Like, I yep. had just been doing the Gadfly column for the Saturday paper. And okay. and, and, I'd, and I'd been asked to do that for about a year before. Um, the uh, regular columnist who'd been Richard Ackland, who'd been doing it for years, had basically mm-hmm. been taken, you know, had no longer, con- was no longer continuing. I think he didn't want to do it any longer. And they wanted to give it to me to kind of try it out. And I knew it would be a short-term gig um, because anything I do in mainstream media tends to be a short-term gig, largely Ah. because of my involvement with it. Um, Of course, you were on ABC Radio uh, for for a little while. Yes, yes, yes. For our Sydney listeners, Um, yes. But I really enjoyed doing it. I, and, mm. and I've been doing new satire since basically I started comedy in 2004, 2005. You know, it's mm, kind mm. of been in Pakistan. I had a TV show many years ago, which was the first kind of big new satire TV show at the time called News Weekly. It had the same name. Wow. Um, and, S- similar, uh, and similar format or was it with lots of... Were you it was hosting a news or? bulletin. No, no, yeah, it was just yeah. a news bulletin format written, produced, directed, edited entirely by me. It was a thing that I used to do all by myself. Wow. Um, for Pakistan's English language TV channel, Dawn News at the time. And, mm-hmm. and it was a big hit. It did really well. And then we you know, pissed off a few of the wrong politicians and they demanded <laughs> that the show be taken off air or I will be taken wow. off life. So very similar and to what so, happened with Tonightly here in Australia. Pakistan, exactly. Australia's media environment, very similar, it appears, yes. Very, very similar indeed. <laughs> um, many people have made that observation before. <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, I, I kind of, uh, I was enjoying writing um, Gadfly as a result because it was a return to writing a, a regular regular weekly satire column and I very quickly realized it is a lot of work mm, only mm. because the limitations I put on myself um, a lot of people will do a satire column for example and just do making fun of the politicians mm. but for me the challenge is how can I do one which is also paying attention to the rigors of journalistic integrity mm. and I really liked it it went really well it was very popular after about a year, Saturday papers said that they don't want to continue it for their own reasons. Um, and I was like, I really like doing this. I want to continue doing it. So I thought, why not bring News Weekly back? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no one remembers the TV show, so it's fine. It's just it's, its own thing. Uh, and I wanted it as a podcast. And I figured, right, you know, writing the column used to take about four hours mm-hmm. every, every once a week. I was like, writing it again, four hours a week do the edit another hour and I'm good to go <laughs> and now basically all of Thursday and all of Friday goes to just making a 15 minute podcast yep. that is exhausting wow yeah no well good to know my time frames generally similar like I've you know I to to bang out news fighters as quickly as possible I have to set aside you know two days a week it's it's a lot of work 
And I don't think people realise how much work's involved yeah. in finding the targets, finding the quotes, finding the clips. Exactly. Make, I almost am jealous of people who just write straight news because it's like, here's a fact. It's not, here's a fact, here's my opinion on it. Um, that that it kind of elevates yeah. it all yeah. or is funny. <laughs> and, and also part of it is because we're playing in audio, you don't want it to just be your voice. So I want to break yes. up my voice every yes. 30 seconds, 25 seconds. So, you know, trying to make sure that there's a sound bite in there, there's a mm-hmm. sort, you know, mm-hmm. or there'll be music or there'll be some clip that will be farcical or something breaking up the audio consistently. And then you have to find the right ones and you have to, <laughs> you know, manage the levels. And probably the greatest thing that's helped me so far mm-hmm. in my entire audio production, it's not Adobe Audition. It's not the good mic kit it's not these xm4 headphones i paid way too much money for it is a software called 4k video download yes yes oh same. my god the fact that i can just copy paste a youtube link into that it rips the audio from the youtube link and i don't have to worry figure out each time how to rip audio from youtube and everything oh my god it saved my life so much <laughs> This is very inside baseball, I realize. For no, no, I love it. I love it because it's so rare to find so many news comedy podcasts are just uh, people talking and they don't go for that journalistic um, Mm. integrity. Like uh, having worked with on the checkout and the chase from the ABC, I know if you misquote someone or put the wrong picture up, you someone will sue you. <laughs> like we, we had a lot of, well, exactly. I'm not going to name names, Chris <laughs> Kenny, but people would yeah. on the, ch- <laughs> on the chaser, get us in trouble for that kind of stuff. So you have to have, especially I don't have the resources of uh, ABC law team, legal team behind us. And you're probably mm-hmm. the same. So mm-hmm. you have I don't to think have- the ABC has the resources of the ABC <laughs> legal team anymore. Either. I'm pretty sure they're crowdfunding as well. Um, but no, no, it's, 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 yeah, it's exactly that. I, I like the description that Dan Illich, um, of, of you know, or rational mm-hmm. fear gave um, the News Weekly when he heard it. He said, "If News we- if a rational fear is Q and A of podcasting, News Weekly is AMPM of podcasting." Um, and I really appreciated that. It, it, I was like, "Oh, that's ex- I guess that's what I was going for." I look, you know, I wanted a news bulletin. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to sound and feel like if you have not watched any news for the week. Mm. Every Friday, you download News Weekly and it gives you a news roundup of all the major news stories of the week, local and international, and gives you commentary and satire and all of these things. In a 15-minute package, you're in and out, you're done. And uh, do you have any uh, specific topics you like to target or are you trying to sum up the week generally? I, I interviewed Alice Fraser from The Gargle. She, mm. she's, she loves cryptocurrency, so she comes back to that all the time. I tend to, the last year, have just shuttled back and forth between... Uh, COVID and climate change. Uh, Dan Irrational Feeler is very focused on climate change. What about yourself? What issues fascinate you that you're going to come back to in this weekly? I think for me, it's corruption, really. Mm. I, I like writing about political corruption um, and, and for me, uh, political hypocrisy. So whenever a politician mm. says anything, my <laughs> favorite thing to do is just Google a few years ago and you'll find them saying the exact opposite thing. Always, every time, every yes. politician. And this is held true from Pakistan through to Australia, from the Greens through to the Liberals, through, <laughs> yep. from, you know, the Pakistani version of the Greens to the Pakistani version of the Liberals. Every pol- politicians are by nature horrific scum sucking pieces of shit. <laughs> and I love being able to point that out repeatedly again and again. And we're living in the golden era of Barnaby Joyce. I mean, yes, who He's could back. be more, who exactly, who could provide us with more scum sucking piece of shit content than Barnaby Joyce? So it's really wonderful to have that and what's your opinion on um the the coalition all of a sudden embracing uh uh net zero by 2050 after (laughs) holding up pieces of coal in parliament surely this would 
this would play right in. This is hypocrisy to the max, surely. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I do it on another podcast on weekends. It's called Murdocracy, and it comes out every Sunday. And it's myself nice. and comedian, and uh, sorry, journalist Cam. But I don't think you'd appreciate me calling him comedian, um, <laughs> Cam Wilson. And yes. um, we look at Mur- uh, News Corp, you know, just analyzing mm-hmm. News Corp, analyzing the Murdoch News Empire, and uh, every week kind of talking about their ch- their behavior, cultural changes, etc. And this has been the l- big focus we've had for the last few weeks as well, is uh, this sudden, oh my God, we love the environment and we think climate change <laughs> is man-made and all of these things. Um it's political. In the end, it's all political. It's it'll about winning the next once, election. Yeah. yeah. So once Glasgow's gone, it'll go away. You can see, you know, the, the, one of the big differences, for example, that you can find is um, the UK announced their net zero by 2050 plan. And that was 1,868 pages long. Mm-hmm. It was detailed. It was legally binding. There was five-year targets every year. All of these things. Our plan was 129 pages, and most of those were taken up by clip art. You know, it is, you can tell, there's no real commitment. It's, they are, they aren't even pretending like this is a real thing that is worthy of paying attention to. That's crazy. And I don't know if you saw another thing that grabbed my attention for hypocrisy this week. The Australian government is um, talking about introducing voter ID laws, and they're citing the fact that, oh, well, now you've got a QR code in everywhere. You might as well just show ID when you vote and it's like no i'm sorry having a cross sandwich at muffin break is a privilege voting is a right like where does this come from so here's my thing right i come from pakistan where voter id is standard you know you when okay. you go to vote you show your stu- your your identity card but it's not compu- it's not compulsory card. voting voting isn't is compulsory right yes, it right. isn't compulsory but you show your voting uh, uh, card and you get a little thing on your thing when yeah. i went here to vote i've only voted in one federal election so far because mm-hmm. i became a citizen just around that time mm-hmm. and um i was shocked that i could just rock up and say who i was and vote and no one checks anything and i was like i could have said any name i could have voted anyway i could have said the same said with jet was... flights here you can do that at the airport you right to... exactly <laughs> so look i completely understand why there's a level of outrage around this and i think um there is you know particularly when it comes to government overreach in terms of privacy in terms of all these issues mm-hmm. we are on the losing side of a battle for so long now. Even with COVID, we've seen so much horrific overreach, even from the Labour government here in Victoria, with the police laws and the, and the, and the amount of power that the Premier is being given, all these things. Very concerning. This is another aspect of that. But also, I'm still trying to reconcile this with the idea that I thought this was have been in place already. And when I went up to vote, <laughs> I took my I took my passport with me thinking, Yeah, many, oh, well, pe- many people show their ID and it's like you don't have to. <laughs> Right. And so, um, but also, and I know they said, what voter fraud? We, it's amazing we live in a country where voter fraud is minimal, as far as we know. I think yeah. that shows that we can trust our fellow man. I think mm-hmm. it shows the same reason, for example, I always get angry when people say someone is rorting. You know, we've got endemic rorting of the system when it comes to Centrelink. I don't buy it. Every mm-hmm. time we do the research and the stats, we find that's one or two percent of the population or, or people on Centrelink are rorting it. Majority Australians want to work. Majority mm-hmm. Australians like to work, have a sense mm-hmm. of value when they work, etc. But at the same time, I don't know why this is such a big thing. I mean, obviously, someone needs to explain it to me. <laughs> I'm not seeing how saying here's my, my, my driver's license or my ID card or my Medicare card or something to prove I am who I am when I go to vote is a bad thing because it seems like that's just, you I've- know. 
I, I think, but if you're if you've lost your driver's license or uh, had a, a lot of people say they have their documents if they're homeless have their documents stolen off them, um, they yeah they should uh, you know I've had uh, friends of mine who just lose their wallets all the time you know they should be allowed to vote as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm sure if the system's being put in place, all that should be taken into account. And there should be mm-hmm. ways to manage that. Yes, absolutely. You shouldn't put in a system where the onus is on the citizen to prove their identity. If you're mm-hmm. asking for identity to be proven, the onus is on the government to make it easy for a citizen to have identity in the first place, accessible. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> it's because... <laughs> it's I, complex, it's, look, yeah. it, Well, in the end, you have to keep in mind, it's this thing, Ivan Aristegueta is a comedian from Venezuela, and he and I keep joking about this, about like how low our standards are for good governance. And so when everyone else in Australia is like, this is a tyranny, and Scott Morrison's a dictator, <laughs> and we're like, I don't know, things are pretty good to me. <laughs> like, I have electricity, the roads are fine, no cops shooting me in the back. Sounds all right. <laughs> like, so, yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, thanks for joining us on News Fighters. And just finally, you've got a new album coming out October 31st mm. on iTunes and Spotify called Cuck. Quickly tell us, this is your Melbourne Comedy Festival show from this year, correct? That's why correct. Re- um, why, re- why release it on audio? Is it because you, you didn't get to tour the country with it because of the lockdowns, I guess? No, I always wanted to. I've already got three albums out on audio. Um, okay. you know, And they were all comedy shows I did back in Perth, back in the day. Uh, and I had, it's been a while since I released one on audio. I like listening to comedy on in, on audio still that's how yes. i discovered comedy you know like yes. in in, uh, 19, in what, 2001, 2002, when I wanted to start getting into stand-up comedy, I used to download albums, you know, Seinfeld's album, Robin yep. Williams' albums. I downloaded these and I listened yes. to them. And that's how I learned. Uh, watching a comedy special was something I could do in Pakistan. And even now, a lot of times if I put a comedy special on Netflix on my phone, I just press play, lock my phone, put my phone in my pocket and listen to it while doing mm. other things. I like listening to comedy. So I was like, I want to do another comedy album. Also, I don't have $50,000 to make a comedy special and bung it on <laughs> Netflix. So this is my only option of getting it out there. <laughs> Perfect. No, I know during lockdown here, I loved um, listening to comedy albums on my daily walks. It was a great, it was a great little escape. So yes, everyone check out Sammy Shah's new album, Cuck and Tell... Uh, Plug us all your other socials, uh, where can people yeah. find you, and News so, Weekly. News Weekly is available on all podcasts. It's, uh, it's a, a spelled, Weekly is spelled W-E-A-K-L-Y, um, that's the pun, and that, but that should be available on uh, all, your, all your podcasting platforms. Guck will be out on Apple, iTunes, uh, Spotify, everywhere you listen to music and audio as well. Um, and yeah, you can find me on thesamishah.com. That's T-H-E-S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H.com. Lots of my comedy podcasts are on there. My documentaries are on there. My books, ex- excerpts and everything. And I have a Patreon uh, like everyone else on earth at this point. <laughs> All of human economy at this point is people putting money from their Patreon into someone else's Patreon. So it's exactly. patreon.com slash Samishah, S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H. Excellent. I'll have to transfer some money from my Patreon over to your Patreon. <laughs> keep keep the wheels it. of the economy, the 21st century economy moving. All right. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us, Sammy Shah. Thanks very much. All right. That's News Fighters for today, the 5th of November, 2021. Big thank you to Sammy Shah for being on the show. As always, News Fighters is written, produced and edited by me, Dylan Bain for Sans Pants Radio. Don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on your podcasting app of choice, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NewsFightersPod. To support the show, our Patreon is at patreon.com slash newsfighters, or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash newsfighters. Also, we refuse to advertise on Facebook, so why not sign up for our free newsletter at newsfighters.com? 
Pine.com. And before we go, as always, here it is, your whiff of pine. Well, most people wouldn't realise, Albert, that there's probably about three million Israeli citizens who are Arabs. Absolutely. Out of a population of about eight, nine million. Yeah. And if you asked most of those people if they'd prefer to be under the government of Israel or the Palestinian Authority, it's a very easy choice because Israel is a democracy which they uh, they have freedoms within and the Palestinian Authority is uh, not. <laughs> 